Well, this morning I have titled the message, Authentic Spiritual Manhood. Authentic Spiritual Manhood. Of course, it's Father's Day, so we want to make sure the message is relevant to fathers. Um, but also we have been talking about um, the exodus of the Israelites um, out of the land of Egypt and principles for deliverance, principles for liberation. Now, one of the things we have learned as part of the Niara Institute uh, that we've been running for about 12 weeks now is the fact that we live in a VUCA world, a VUCA world. And VUCA is an acronym. Uh, v stands for volatility. U stands for uncertainty. C stands for complexity. And A stands for ambiguity. So we are living in a world that is marked by volatility. Things are changing. We live in a world that is marked by uncertainty. You know, I said to you a few months ago that I, I attended a graduation ceremony in the UK and um, the provost was making a presentation uh, to the graduating students and he, he said words along these lines that, you know, we are living in an uncertain world and we are educating you for things that... Um, we have never experienced before. So the best we can do for you is teach you how to learn. Because if you are going to rest on the power of what you have been uh, educated with, it wouldn't prepare you for, the, for what, is, uh, what we're going to face in the future because we are living in an uncertain world. We are living in a world of great complexity. We are living in a world of great ambiguity. Uh, but you know that um, um, even though kingdoms may pass and economies may rise and fall, God remains the same. And the Bible says Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we are living in a VUCA world. And as I go through this message today, um, I'm hoping that you will see that there is an urgency and a priority for us as men to build capacity. There is an urgency and priority for us as men to build capacity for the spiritual headship of our families. There is an urgency for us as men to build capacity for the spiritual headship of our families because it is critical to what God wants to do in the earth, to his purpose in the earth, and it is critical to God's planned deliverance for this age. As men, we must build capacity and we must take our role as spiritual heads in our families. You know, one of the things that we see in the story of Israel's exodus is the role spiritual headship played in the process. You know, turn to um, Exodus chapter 4 because it began with Moses. After Moses received a spectacular call, from God. I mean, Moses was doing his own thing. He was leading the sheep of Jethro on the backside of a desert. And something phenomenal happened. He had a life-changing encounter with God where God clearly told Moses what his mandate and his purpose was for Moses' life. But then after such a call, as Moses began to journey toward Egypt to fulfill the call, something phenomenal happened. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 24 to 26, and it says, it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him 
and sought to kill him. Now, this is the Moses that God had just called and God had sent on a mission. The Bible says God met him and he sought to kill him. Let's read on. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. And then the Lord let him go. Then she said, you're a husband of blood because of the circumcision. So God was prepared to delay his purpose to liberate millions of people who were in slavery because the chosen leader had one single uncircumcised child. You know, for me, this shows the weight of the importance God plays on the issue of proper headship and family. God required that Moses become a better husband and a better father because he, before he could become the mighty deliverer of Israel. Because circumcision was a sign of covenant. It was expression of the fact that they were in covenant with God and him circumcising his child was bringing his life and his family into divine order. So as far as God was concerned, the divine order, your, your role as a father, your role as a husband, your responsibility to be the head of that family is more important to him than your purpose, because that is your first purpose. Are you with me? This is very important to God and his purpose for us in the earth. We see another example in the life of Abraham. And uh, I quoted this during the prayer time this morning. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 17, when the Lord came to visit Abraham, on his way to, to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And after he visited with Abraham and, um, you know, he told Abraham how he was going to have a child in nine months' time, the Lord got up with the other angels and, and they were heading towards Sodom. But before he left, this is what he said. He says, and the Lord said, Genesis eighteen seventeen. Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had spoken. So God is about to do something, but because he, he remembers that Abraham is a man he has designated to be a mighty nation, and is a man that is going to leave a legacy to his children, and he's going to raise his children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to fear the Lord, the Lord brought Abraham into his counsel. Are you with me? The legacy to pass a heritage of godliness to his children was part of the qualification for access into God's counsel. I mean, that's phenomenal to me. So God is seeing how you are ordering your life. He's seeing how you are ordering your family. And because of that, because he sees how you are laying the foundation for the next generation, he grants you access into his counsel. These are important things that speak about the role of men and the role of fathers in the purpose of God. Hallelujah. You know, perhaps the most significant demonstration of God's emphasis 
I believe took place during the 10th plague that came upon Egypt. You know, the first nine plagues were worked by the hands of Moses. He received commands from the Lord and he executed them faithfully. And through his execution and in obedience to the Lord, he brought judgment on Egypt. But in the final plague, we see a fundamental difference. Look at Exodus 12. Um, normally we read the whole chapter or, or the first 13 verses. But I want you to focus on some key things in just three verses of Exodus chapter 12. Look at verse 3, verse 21, and verse 22. Verse 3, he said, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, Every man, everyone say every man. He says, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father. Everyone say father. A lamb for, his, for a household. And then verse 21. He says, then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. Verse 23 says, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and allow the destroyer or not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. So you see that this was an instruction that was given specifically to men to take their place. Now this was something they weren't used to. Yeah, this was something they weren't used to. They hadn't done this before. God was mentoring men into their role regarding his purpose. You know, this is Father's Day, so I'm focusing on men today. And I don't want you in any respect to think that it's demeaning women in any way. But there is a role for men. There is a masculinity in God that is reflected in the life of a man. Just like there's a femininity in God that is only reflected in the life of a woman. Amen. And the masculinity and the femininity of God must be reflected in family for that family to be established. But I'm talking about the role of men today. This was a, a, a direct instruction to the men. You know, there are some family structures where men have gone AWOL, either physically or mentally. And women are having to step into this role of headship and the Lord will support them and strengthen them but it only happens because the men are not taking their place amen there is a role that God has just like there's a world that God has made out for the woman in a family there's a role that specifically belongs to the man if you look at the nation of Israel the nation was mobilized to exit by families because families are the core units upon which society is built. And each family, in each family, the man was required to rise up to a place of leadership and obedience. And we see that it was the activation of spiritual headship in the home that was at the core of Israel's deliverance. If the men refused to prepare their families the angel of death would have come into their homes and destroyed the whole family. You know, I, I like what it says in verse 23. Because the instruction that Moses gave to the elders ended this way. It said, none 
of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. So at the height of the crisis, the place for men to be was standing inside their homes, leading their families through the crisis until the purpose of God was fulfilled. So without this renewal of emphasis of the man's role of spiritual headship in the home, there can be no true deliverance in this time. Are you with me? Yes, we're going to pray for God's deliverance. Yes, we're going to pray for us to come into that place of fulfillment of God's purpose. But as he's bringing his purpose to pass in our lives, he begins by bringing our families and our role as men and as fathers in line with his divine order. There is no deliverance without us taking our role as men and as fathers. And as far as God is concerned, your first purpose is fulfilling that role before you are qualified to enter into the space of national transformation. You know, let us talk a little bit about the war against manhood. Because, you know, Satan knows um, what the key is. He knows how God operates. And that is why manhood has been attacked. It has been attacked for generations. In fact, in Egypt, we see that the war against manhood was waged against God's people long before this night of the angel of death. We know that there was a move to abort and kill all the male children given by Pharaoh years before. There was a genocide that was incited through Pharaoh, but really uh, by the spiritual forces of darkness that dominated Egypt at the time. Pharaoh gave a mandate in um, Exodus chapter 1 verse 15. The Bible says, And the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son. Wow. He said, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But thank God, verse 17 says, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but saved the male children alive. We see that the destruction of the sons was a strategy by the enemy to keep them enslaved. The thinking was that if there are no men, then revolt will not be possible. If we can just get rid of the men, if we can emasculate the men, then redemption and deliverance will not occur. Now, in the midwives, because of their fear of God in not destroying the children, what they didn't know was what they were doing was they were actually preserving the lives of those who will become the future warriors and the future priests that would actually lead Israel out of Egypt. Because the lives of people like Joshua and Caleb and Moses were saved. So even though um, by not killing the children, they were actually preserving the purpose of the fulfillment of God's purpose for the future. So the attack was not merely against the present family structures, but also the future purposes of the Lord. Spiritual manhood and taking your place as a father is not just about right order in your family. But what you are doing now is preserving the purpose of God for the future. Because when your children are raised in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord, and you model godliness, and you create an atmosphere where they have a vital relationship with God, you are preserving the purpose of God for the future. 
You know, the attack on manhood today is intentional and it is satanic. It is intentional and it is satanic. And if we do not do what the men of Israel had to do, the angel of death will come into our homes. It is not a negative confession. Because, you know, they had to relearn how to do this stuff. They hadn't done this in 400 years. So saying to me that, you know, I don't have the skills because my father did not teach me is not good enough. Hallelujah. Because we all came from dysfunctional families. Most of our fathers were abused. Most of our fathers didn't know how to say I love you. Most of our fathers didn't know how to raise men for the next generation. But the word of the Lord came to Israel and said to Israel, you are my son. You are my firstborn son. Learn of me. I will teach you what to do because it is imperative that you pass this to the next generation. So it is not going to be intuitive what I'm talking about. You are going to learn to learn these things. Hallelujah. We have to learn them. We have to learn them. The attack on manhood today is intentional and it is satanic. It is intentional and it is satanic. In some cases it is blatant and frontal. Internet pornography. Warped concepts of masculinity. The increasing widespread acceptance of same-sex marriage in the West is altering and blurring the definitions of biblical manhood, or the definition of manhood, should I say. Because biblical manhood, the definition is very clear. Are you with me? But we are living in a context where there is an intentional and direct attack on the identity of men. You know, some of the attack is, uh, is less blatant. You know, in the old days, it used to be that um, in the sitcoms, you know, women were the ones, you know, displayed as people who just mowed, or not mowed, rather, uh, vacuumed the homes and cooked the meals. So in correcting that now, sitcoms, you have the model of family, you know, women are the intelligent ones and they're trying to put up with a lazy, uh, a lazy man. You know, how do I get around this lazy guy? So we're, we're, we're seeing models of men that are, that are weak. You know, um, a few, I think it was about a month ago, you know, my, my Zane and uh, the family went to visit somebody. And... I mean, I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, so they got into this person's house, and there was something that looked like a VCR on, the, on another VCR. So Zane pointed out and said, what is that? And the guy looked at him and said, you don't know what that is? He said, no, I don't know what it is. What is that? He said, it's a PlayStation. He said, really? I don't know what a PlayStation is. And the guy was like, What? Now, and he called me up and said, your child is not having a, a rounded uh, upbringing because he doesn't know what a PlayStation is. Now, now Zane used to play with Wii and all these things, and he still has some games he plays with. But you know, these guys, these 30-year-old men, what they do is they get together and they spend hours playing on PlayStation. Are you with me? Now, I don't know about you, but I consider that to be an indirect attack on manhood. I mean, they get together on Friday night and all they're doing is playing PlayStation at 30 years old. Yeah? So the, the, the enticement of leisure that dulls the brain and distracts you from the pertinent issues that God has allocated for men to take responsibility for. 
We have been distracted. Our minds, our scope of our, our, our level of responsibility and the anointing God has placed on us is it, being dulled. That attack on manhood is intentional. It is strategic. It destroys the present. But more importantly, it models an image of manhood for our children for the future. Hallelujah. As a man, the Bible makes it clear that in the context of marriage and family, as a man, you shoulder the ultimate responsibility for the spiritual well-being of your home. You and your wife are one, and you are, you are in charge of the home, but the ultimate responsibility lies with you in terms of the spiritual atmosphere of that home. God said, I want the men to step forward. I want you to lead your family through a process. And this process of obedience is going to protect your family. And as the devastation comes, your family will be protected because you have taken your place as the divine priest of that home and your house is in divine order. Hallelujah. You know, the picture we have of Israel at the beginning of Exodus is that of a broken society. I mean, they have been in bondage for 400 years without any real leaders, no structure. So how was God to bring deliverance? He had to put some things in place. Piece by piece, he began to rebuild the nation. The first thing he did was he gave them leaders. He gave them leaders and he validated their leadership powerfully in the sight of them all. Wow. You know, Moses was validated. It took a while for them to trust him because they were not used to leaders. I mean, he had done this 40 years before. And what was the first thing they said when he began to uh, move forward and try to lead? They said, who has made you? <laughs> who, who made you leader? Who appointed you leader? But 40 years later, God validated him as a leader. And then when he validated their leadership, he established faith. They began to put their faith in God through the leadership that they had been given. And then after that, because they had faith, when God spoke to them through Moses and gave them instructions, they began to obey the instructions. And what was the first instruction Moses gave them? He commanded them to be organized by household. He said, come in, in uh, you, you need to know what, what home or what, 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 um, what lineage you're from. People began to reestablish relationships and, and, and understand their identity in the context of fatherhood. And when he came to the final plague, he now spoke to the men and men took their place. So what started as a broken society ended as an ordered society where men took their place and that place was required for the deliverance of the whole nation. I believe that as we continue in the last days, before this thing ends, before we see that which has been prophesied, where the Bible says that there is the Spirit of God is going to be poured out on our flesh. The Spirit has been poured out, but we're going to see a greater manifestation of this in our time. We're going to see the power of God like never before. We're going to see people uh, come before the altar and give their lives to Christ in the millions. We're going to see the wisdom of God come into the minds of men. And in every sphere of society, men and women are going to take their place and they're going to reveal a wisdom that is not of this world. As things get darker in the earth, light is going to come into the church and the glory of God will fill the earth through the church as the waters cover the sea. 
But before that happens, the first thing that must happen first is that men have to take their place of spiritual headship in the home. They need to be able to stand and say thus far and no more. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. They need to take that blood and put it on the mantelpiece and say my wife is protected. My children are protected. I don't care what's happening in the educational system. It is not going to penetrate the hearts of my children. We need to take our place first as the spiritual heads of our homes. Even though it doesn't feel normal, I'd rather hide in the office than speak to my kid about Jesus. Because after all, I'm working for you. Not as far as God is concerned. He said, Moses, if you've not been your family into divine order, I will kill you now. John died. Go take that to your board meeting. Praise the Lord. You say, um, <laughs> you know, oh man, I'm going to go on a side journey now. Bear with me. I'm going to take a little detour. I'll, I'll find my way back. You know, it's a little bit like, you know, wives, God bless their hearts. I have to be careful because I've worn two. You know, but you know how it is in churches, you know, we talk about the needs in the church and one man to serve. And you see some wives telling their husbands, listen, you are not going to become an usher. You are going to sit here with me. I've actually seen it happen. You know, I, I can't have my, my husband serving as an usher because his role is right here. Or men who thinking that exercising the authority means that. They must not allow their women to uh, get too deep in uh, spiritual matters. You know, sometimes we get confused by, about free will. You know, I have a free will. You know, when uh, Jonah wanted to exercise his free will, he ended up in the belly of a whale. You know, someone said it's not free will, it's free willy. Ever watch the movie Free Willy? You know, um, Brother Hagen. Uh, tells the story about how he began the ministry. And, you know, it's, it's very tough. W whatever purpose the Lord has for your life can be tough. And it's always tough. And there's always, an, there's always a wisdom required to ba balance family and um, responsibility. And it can be a tough one. But we must find the balance. Amen. Because the days, you know, the days of the PKs where the pastor's kids were the most... Uh, most rowdy and the most rebellious because their parents were, were too involved in services that didn't have time for their children. Those days are gone forever. Amen. We must balance things right. The balance must be found. Amen. The, pri the priority must be given to our families. But, you know, with Brother Hagen, you know, things got quite tough because he was traveling all the time. His family had like a, uh, like a mobile home and there would be homeschooling the kids, you know, after preaching, we'll come home, homeschool the kids. When they're in a, a town for any length of time, they'll go into school. So it was quite disruptive. And after a while, his wife started getting quite antsy, you know, and she was like, you know, this ministry thing, you know, we should just, you need to pipe down. So one day they were in the, um, they were in the kitchen and Brother Hagen had a, he had a heart attack. He had a heart attack and fell on the floor. So as she was about to rush to him, the Lord spoke to him and to, to her. The Lord spoke to her and said, um, now you need to make a decision. Are you going to let him serve me or should I take him home now? Uh, she, she let him, she, <laughs> she said, Lord, I let him serve you rather. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, um, I don't know why I went down that road, but uh, we're, we're talking about order. Coming into divine order and the priority of family. Hallelujah. The priority of family. And the importance of men taking their place in their homes as the spiritual head of that home. And learning skills that may not may be counterintuitive, but you are required to learn because that is required to preserve the next generation. And there is an urgency for that 
today. And for deliverance to come, God must bring order into the home first. Amen. And that order begins with men taking their place as fathers. So the question is this. As a father, how do you mentor your children to face a future for which you've had no experience and no skills? How do you, how do you mentor your kids? How do you prepare them for the future? When you are very aware of your own brokenness and the issues that you haven't been, been mentored in. Well, we have a great example here because this was, the, um, this was the situation of the children of Israel. Now look at Exodus 12 verse 29. It says, and it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. So imagine the scenario um, on the day of the 10th plague as the Israelites are in their homes. Now what are they doing in their homes? We know what they're doing, don't we? Because in, in verse 8 of Exodus 12, it says, God said, and they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. So the fathers led this process of the killing of the lamb or the, or the, or the goat, of the putting the, um, the blood on the lintels and um, the process of um, roasting the lamb. And they are, it was leading the family in eating the lamb. I can imagine what is happening. The kids are there. They don't know what is going on. And all around them, they are hearing wailing. I mean, there is there's death happening around them. There are screams happening around them. And the kids are saying, Dad, Mom, what's going on? And they're saying, don't worry about it, just eat. Just eat, just eat. And they notice that they're all dressed like they're going somewhere. They've got their staff, they've got their clothes, and they are feeding their children. They are feeding their children. You know, we looked at this last week and said that the lamb is a type of Christ. Amen. Because John said, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The lamb is a type of Christ. And we talked about how vital it is to be Christ-centered in this time. The greatest legacy you can leave your children is that of a Christ-centered life. You know, on Thursday we were talking about the chief purpose of man. The, the, the Westminster Catechism, uh, in the first question it says, what is the chief purpose of man? And the response is to glorify and to enjoy God forever. Our chief purpose is to glorify God and is to enjoy Him forever. The Bible says that in Him, it talks about the loving kindness of God in Psalm 36. And it says, with you is the fullness of life. He says, in your, life we'll, in your light we'll see light. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. Christ is the answer. And the first and the most important thing you can do to your children is lead them into a vital, growing, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And as a father... That is your first responsibility. It is not to bring them to church. It is not to take them to school. It is to make sure that your children have a vital, growing, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to make sure that your children know Jesus for themselves. And the only way they'll know Jesus for themselves is if you mentor them in that relationship. Hallelujah. I mean, the best thing you can do for your son or your daughter is to sit down with them and share your testimony. Let us start with that. Yeah? It is to sit down and share your testimony. It's for them to see your love for the Lord. It's for them to see you pray. It's for them to see you standing in agreement with your wife. It's for them to see the model of Christ-likeness in your life. 
That is where it begins. It is not something that the wife is meant to do alone. Are you with me? There is something, you know, Zane is here now and it's amazing. You know, can't lie in front of my son because, you know, he'll stand up right there and tell you that, Dad, I'm not really sure about that. So, you know, but it's amazing how, you know, when Zane was growing up, how, you know, all of a sudden he wanted to have a tie because he saw me wearing ties. Or he saw me wearing a, a waistcoat once and a bow tie and he wanted a bow tie. And, uh, you know, he saw me in traditional and said, I- I'd like a traditional. I want traditional as well. So it's like everything I'm doing, he wants to do. Why? Because I'm his father. Are you with me? I'm his father. Yeah, if he sees me studying the word and he sees me praying, he's hanging around watching. What's he doing? You know, I was watching some, uh, some videos about dreams and visions and he, he wanted to watch them too. I was reading a book, a prophetic book, and he's like, can I download down my iPad? <laughs> Are you with me? Yeah, we must model Christ. We must model Christ. That is the most important thing we can do for our children. You know, after the fall of man, after the fall of man, Enoch was the first one to recover the most basic purpose of man. And that is to walk with God. After the fall, Enoch was the first person to recover the most basic purpose of man. And the most basic purpose of man is to walk with God and have a vital fellowship with God. That is the basic purpose of man. And that must be the basic legacy we leave for our children. Not the only legacy, but that is the most vital legacy. Because believe you me, I don't care if people start walking on their heads in 30 years' time. If your children have a vital relationship with Jesus, Jesus will take them to heaven and educate them and give them the wisdom they need in that day. You know, Enoch learned to walk with God. And the testimony of Enoch remains as a testimony for all generations. And the testimony is that of victory over death through fellowship with God. Hallelujah. I love that. The fact that through your union with God, you will have victory over death and every manifestation of death. That is the legacy of Enoch. Enoch loved God so much that God became his life. He lived to love and serve the Lord. Loving God is the highest purpose of man. It is the highest purpose of man. So when we talk about men and as fathers taking our place in our families, this is where it must begin. And this is the hardest thing of all. I mean, I, I, I can say that as a man, as a pastor, it is the hardest thing of all. It's easier to give your family money. It's easier to tell your son or your daughter, do this or don't do that. It's easier to pay for vacation. Yeah? There's something that breaks in your heart when you sit down and you humble yourself and you talk about your relationship with God you talk about the mistakes you've made. You talk about the things you've learned. You share your life with them. And yet that's the most powerful. Hallelujah. That is the most powerful. This is where it begins. This is where it begins. Everything else is secondary. Yeah, we don't have time to go through everything else. But that is where it begins. So I'm going to end today by just reiterating the fact that as men, we have a role to play. We have an important role to play. In fact, our our place is vital. Our place is vital. And as we celebrate manhood, we must recognize that Jesus is the one that reflects 
authentic manhood. And that is the manhood that we must reflect. It is the manhood that we must reflect. Each man will draw his life and his understanding of manhood either from Adam or from Christ. You know, the Bible says that in Adam all die, but in Christ all will be made alive. Isn't that correct? Each man will draw his, um, his identity of manhood either from Adam or from Christ. Very quickly, Adam represents a life separated from God. A manhood that is based on a natural course, that is based upon instinct, on reaction, on self-preservation. That is what Adam represents. Christ, a manhood that draws its identity from Christ. Christ speaks about a life in union with God. A manhood that is influenced by spiritual direction. That is based on faith, on love, on sacrifice, and not flesh. One picture of manhood is life taken. Another picture of manhood is life given. What picture of manhood are we modeling to our children and our families? Christ rejected passivity. Christ accepted responsibility. Christ led courageously. Christ focused on the reward of heaven. That is the manhood of Christ. Hallelujah. And that is the manhood we must learn and we must reflect to our children. Your children must see that you are not passive. Hallelujah. Because Adam accepted passivity, didn't he? Because he was right there when the devil was tempting his wife. And what did he do? He went passive, didn't he? Like, well, every man for himself, or every woman for herself. He didn't step up, did he? But Christ stepped up, didn't he? He said, no, my people have been destroyed. I'm going to leave heaven. And I'm going to look up. I'm, not, I'm going to chase the one that is going to stray. Our children must see us stand up and speak up for truth. Are you with me? They must know that my father is not someone that's passive. They must see you engage with them. Hallelujah. You're not going to let them go. You're going to engage. A manhood that is active, that rejects every form of passivity, that walks in love, that walks in sacrifice, they need to see that modeled before them. Amen. A manhood that accepts responsibility. Hallelujah. Jesus said, my meat is to do the, the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. We have a work to do. We have a work to do. A manhood that is not lazy, that not spend all his time playing, uh, what's it again? PlayStation. I was thinking when I was 30 years old. PlayStation. <laughs> are, there, are, there enough, are there no more businesses that you can start? Aren't there people that you can go and help? PlayStation. And it's not one hour. It's like, oh, we're hanging out with the boys. You know, it's like an all-nighter. What? A manhood that accepts responsibility. They must see you do that. A manhood that leads courageously. We're all called to be leaders. Hallelujah. Called to lead in truth. Nobility of courage and leadership. A manhood that focuses on, on reward. You know, I was saying this a few weeks ago that, you know, people talk about business and talk about, you know, when you find your sweet spot, that money is not about, um, you know, it's not about the money anymore. It's about keeping score, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I believe in that. But keep the right score. Let your score not just be how many houses you have. Let it, let it be in what is waiting for you in heaven. Because that's where the real rewards are. Are you with me? A few years ago, the Lord challenged me. He's, you know, and he said, do you know that in the book of life, next to your name, I write down the names of all those that you have brought to the Lord. 
I mean, I haven't seen that written anywhere in Scripture, but I know that the Bible says that, you know, when we go there, um, they will welcome us in, right? But I, uh, but I, I never knew that, uh, that's my revelation. I'm not teaching it. I'm just sharing it with you. But the challenge was that, you know, I record everyone you get saved, everybody that you bring into union with me is recorded next to your name. And in the annals of the history of heaven for all eternity, it is recorded. Are you with me? So if we're going to keep score, let us keep score about the inheritance that matters. I mean, someone was telling me about going to uh, South Africa and going to Ibori's house. You know Ibori, right? We know who Ibori is. This person told me that he, he a few years ago, he, he was taken, you know, he was in Joburg or wherever it was. And the person took him, pointed to a house, said that's Ibori's house. And you can see, beautiful, big house. But right now, it's cobwebbed, it's, it's dilapidated, it's just in a mess. That is what's going to happen to everything, eventually. Is that not the, is that not the truth? <laughs> everything, that's exactly what's going to happen. You and me both, if the Lord tarries, our skeletons are going to be buried and we're going to be somewhere. But there is a place where inheritance lasts forever. So... Men that lead courageously with their eye on the prize, the prize of heaven. Jesus, the Bible says, endured the cross. And he did it with joy because he had his eye on the prize. The Bible says Moses endured because he had his eye on the prize. The, the Bible says that um, Paul said, I am seeing what is waiting for me. In heaven there is a prize. Let us, let us uh, live our lives and let us model this value before our children. Let them know that you're not just someone that's laying about. You are working for a prize. But model the fact that there's an eternal prize that you are stretching for. So that as they grow up, their lives are built not on the sinking sand of what the world gives, but on the, the prize of eternity. Amen. That is what manhood is all about. Praise the Lord. Well, happy Father's Day, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. This is the time to take our place in our homes. Hallelujah. As men of God, it's tough, but that's why you're a man. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why you're a man. That's why he has given you that responsibility. He has given you that honor of leadership through love and sacrifice. Hallelujah. And we're going to lead our families into eating this lamb. That is the legacy. The first and most important legacy will leave them. And they will see that we are people that accept responsibility. We are people that are not passive. We are people that lead courageously. We are people that have our eyes on the prize. Hallelujah. And as a result, we will ensure that the purpose of God for the next generation is preserved. And our children will stand on our shoulders and they will enter into God's purposes with glory, with faith, and with joy. Hallelujah. Because you left a good legacy for them.